0: And welcome back to the United Masterclass, a tactical podcast about United. I'm your host, Hader Abani. I'm joined as ever by Rob Blanchett. Rob, we are sitting here. Manchester United have just lost. I, I mean, I shouldn't really be laughing, but United have lost 6-3 to Manchester City. Very, very poor first half. We saw Erling Haaland, you know, show just what an absolute animal he is and and an incredible, incredible goal scorer. Ruthless, Manchester City were ruthless. Phil Foden also got a hat-trick. United pulled back a little bit of a respectable ending there, didn't they? With three three goals in that second half. So United lost 6-3. What we saw today, though, is that United still have a lot of work to do, which we knew. I don't think United are are as bad as the scoreline suggests. But I do think that not doing the basics, and we'll talk about that today, really hurt us. And ultimately, you know, very, very poor performance.
1: Poor performance. But do you know what? You can get away with poor performances if you put certain parts in every week. But when you play Man City, if you give them the ball and don't do the work off the ball, they are going to slaughter you. It's nearly Halloween, isn't it? And this felt like some kind of hammer slasher film at times, especially in the first half. Um, I think, you know, we, we'll talk for it all today and we'll talk about the game, we'll talk about some individuals and we'll maybe try and be forward-looking see where United can go from here. Because this is not the end of the world, as bad as it felt. And it did feel bad, didn't it? 6-3 kind of masks a whole load of stuff. But at the same time, United did get those three goals and there was, I think, an upturn in performances in the second half. But I think for Eric Ten Hag... This is kind of the learning curve we're on this season. And this is why I keep saying to people, be calm, because victories are going to look good and going to feel good, and defeats are going to feel bad. And you've got to be somewhere in the middle to try and pick all this apart. I still think there's some United players that need to buck up their ideas, and I felt that even during the run of good games. You've now got to see if these United players can respond, because I think that was the thing in this game. I felt after five minutes, Haydar, I thought, this is not going to be a good game, this I can see already that they're not doing the things that I've been seeing week in, week out when we've been winning matches. So if you're not doing that against Man City, guess what might happen? You might see some hat-tricks go in the back of the net.
0: Absolutely. And you have to take into account, you know, that United are very early in their in their development under this new manager. You know, we're three months in, Manchester City in comparison, Pep Guardiola, been there for many, many years, very, very uh, trophy-laden period, six years. So... That is something to take into consideration. But what I will say is that United still shouldn't be losing 6-3 at Manchester no. City in a derby. That should not be happening. Um, you know, to what we will talk about today, guys, is I'm going to talk about, uh, we're going to talk about the game. We're going to talk about the midfield issues today because I think that was very evident. United's off-the-ball work was very poor today, in my, in my opinion. Rob will talk about that. A couple of players who really didn't perform and should be doing better, Bruno and Sancho. So we will talk about them in more detail. And then we'll talk about Anthony um. Anti Martial and Shaw as well, who came on. And I think the latter two definitely were positives for May United, especially Martial. He got his two goals at the end. As always, guys, you can follow us on May United MC. Give me a follow on at Hayda underscore Robani and Rob as well at underscore Rob underscore B. So, Rob, let's start with the game. So, what we have here up on the screen is we have a graphic from Sofa Score, and this outlines, you know, sort of the players that played well. We have their player ratings, and you also have the formations. So, City actually, if you look at that defense, Rob, Akanji and Ake, I'd argue that they're not Sorry, they're City's maybe third and fourth choice centre backs, maybe maybe fourth and fifth. If you think about Stones was out, Diaz, Laporte. So when I saw that before the game, maybe it was a bit naive for me to 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 think, but I thought, you know what, if United have got a chance today, because you look at those that centre back pairing. And I looked at Marcus Rashford being back. Essentially, United went with the, the same teams they have done. And I thought, you know what? United can maybe catch them out on the break. Um, you know, they can maybe press them. They're not as good as, let's say, Diaz, Laporte, Stones on the ball. But that was absolutely not what we saw. We also saw that Rodri wasn't playing. So, you know, Rodri wasn't playing. Calvin Phillips was injured. So we saw Gundogan playing in that number six role. So, again, I thought, looking at that triumvirate, I thought United could expose that. That did not happen today. Uh, and... Looking at the Man United's performance, we spoke about it off-air, but how Im- how much of an impact was it when Diallo got that yellow card? City were relentless, weren't they, down United's right-hand side in those first five minutes. They got a goal early on, I think that set the tone for the game.
1: Yeah, Diallo got the yellow card after two minutes, and that was that, really. Because you saw straight away that Jack Grealish went, It was like, yeah, I'm away here now. The guy's marking me for the rest of the game. He's got a yellow card. And do you know what? He's been playing well that Delo, but he's not very good defensively, is he? So that kind of set the tone, did it, in those first opening minutes. But let's talk a little bit about the formation. You, you talked a little bit about the selection there. Um, I wasn't surprised to see this team, 4-2-3-1. This is what United have played in recent weeks. This is what United have had success with. And we've seen that with Ten Hag. I've called him a conservative coach, meaning that he doesn't really like to chop and change. He just kind of changes... Little, little small details on the football pitch to try and get that little bit extra. I think what we saw here today in that 4-2-3-1, I said before the game that I wanted to see Bruno play as a false nine. So why did I want to see that? I wanted to see that so United could put an extra body in the middle of the, of the park. So you could bring in a Casemiro, so you could play McTominay, ericsson and casemiro and you could play bruno at the top end pressing where i think he does his best work you know i think that's where he's more comfortable playing on the front foot that would then allow sancho and anthony to come a little bit narrow so you kind of have a, this this nice little mid block there allowing yourself to control that part of the pitch and what did we see happen united played a 4 one the gap between the front and the midfield and the defense was about 100 meters wide And it was scary. And from the opening moments of the game, like you just mentioned, Gundogan there playing as a six. Gundogan just strolled around Bruno Fernandes the whole game. It was too easy. And once he got the ball through there and it was going into the midfield in the attack, City were just absolutely like water flowing through United. That is not good enough. So United in these last few weeks have played well, Haydar, in the sense that all their off-ball work has been improving. So they've played decent teams, Arsenal, Liverpool, these good units, and they've shown that off the ball, they're kind of getting there, they're finding a way. What we saw today is they're not getting there. They're nowhere near. They're absolutely nowhere near. This 4-2-3-1, you know, did not work against C- uh, City's four-three-three. And when you've got a player like Christian Eriksen, who is a ball-playing number six, you have got to help him. And that's why the guys in front, I think when you look at Sancho, Fernandes and Rashford, especially, those three guys, just like kind of let their work rate go today, just were not good off the ball. And on the ball, when they got it, they were terrible. So if you're not good on the ball, Haydar, you must be good off it. You must at least play the position. And I saw two or three times say, well, okay, got the ball, just wandered through the middle of the park and then gave it to Kevin De Bruyne. And you're like, yeah, you're going to lose today. You're really going to lose. And you know what? You might ship four or five and it ended up being six. So I, th- I think Ten Hag would have learned a lot today. I think he'd have looked at this system and gone, this is not the way forward. I might be able to play this against certain teams. But when I play the very, very best teams like Manchester City, the champions of England, maybe the best team in the world, I cannot set up like this. I cannot allow that space to be so open and allow these fantastic footballers from under Pep Guardiola just have so much time and
0: space. We didn't defend the space well enough today, Rob. And that was that was a big, big evident thing. And we're playing against a side probably who are the best at manipulating the space, who are incredible playing between the lines. You know, they've got such smart technical footballers and then they've got Haaland, who's just uh, he's just incredible up top. Well, when I have a look at what United did today as well compared to what they did against Arsenal, Rob, because I think that's a good comparison because that was our last Premier League game. Well, before we go into, you know, sort of what United did well against Arsenal. I do want to ask you a question and a lot of people think this might be an excuse but United haven't played in the league really in four weeks. They've had international break as well. How much of an impact is that though? Because I'm sitting here thinking that United are building some nice momentum, both games got cancelled, played in the the Europa League then obviously off the international break. United looked undercooked today and I think it took them a, a half of football to get going again. So I don't think United are 6-3 worse than Manchester City. I think Man- Manchester City are the best side in Europe and uh, and it's actually quite scary what they could achieve this season. United are better than this. But ultimately, at the end of the day, when you know you haven't had important, especially early on in the season, important, important match fitness in your legs for some of these players, I think that did contribute to why United also started so slowly. That doesn't mean that's why they did the basics wrong, but they were starting to get a rhythm, like you said, of the pressing and understanding the spaces and the triggers. Uh, And I felt like today it's almost like we went completely back to the Brentford game and uh, we looked undercooked.
1: When you lose the opportunity for repetition, this is why the international break is such a problem, is that you might look at it and say, oh, well, Rashford was not on international duty. And you saw also that Sancho was on international duty. So they can stay behind, can't they? Well, yes, they can. But you're not doing the work with the players that you play with, are you? The rest of the team is on international break. Or break they're away with their countries. So it's more difficult. So you're saying United are not playing for a month. I think definitely has an impact, and it's not an excuse. The difference for Man City is that even if they didn't play together for a month, they are well-drilled. This is a project years in the making. These players that come in get drilled. It goes into the muscle memory. And you do it every week. United are still learning that. You still saw that. I I think I tweeted that and said, this is the difference between a team that knows what it's doing every minute of the day and a team in its infancy. So that's the way I look at it with Man United. And today, United did look like men against boys, you know, using the word infancy. It did feel that United were not quite sure in their own skin. As soon as Deleuze gets that yellow card, they had five bad minutes. And you could see the panic. Like they were like, am I supposed to do this? Am I supposed to do that? You just said about United not defending the space. I'm going to look at it a different way. United not attacking the space. Yeah. So when the ball is at Ake's feet, go and deal with him. When the ball is at Concello's feet, at left, left back, go and deal with him. When Carl Walker's got the ball, deal with him. Don't let the ball go to Erling Haaland dropping off on someone like Foden and then defend the space. It's too late because they're already on you. So United have looked better in that way, like you said, against Arsenal, a progressive team, Liverpool, a top team.
0: United went and were aggressive into the space.
1: That's what you
0: have to do. Way too passive today, Rob. Saying that from minute one, you know we saw what Martinez was doing against Liverpool and against Arsenal. You know they, they fronted up physically, they're aggressive, played with intensity. Today, United felt so passive, almost as if they looked at Manchester City and thought this team is so much better than us. Uh, and always when you concede an early goal like they did, I think that not you know that knocks United back. And again, that's a mentality point. But United not playing with aggression like they have done in those four games mm. that we've seen previously before the break obviously that I think was the most disappointing thing for me today. that's all I wanted to see really I didn't I felt like United had a chance I really did I thought you know is back we can exploit the space in behind uh but I felt like United was they almost gave City too much respect and City were very good today I don't think they were outstanding but they've got probably the most clinical striker in the world Foden decided to to put in a great performance as well and you know, what can you do when when De Bruyne is playing those passes into Haaland? I mean, it's just it's, it's unplayable at times.
1: They've got too many good pieces to even when they're maybe a bit more average than usual, a bit more human, that they can't go and beat you. But that's how you build it. That's how long it takes. So This is why I keep saying again to United fans, it's good we've seen this progress from Ten Hag. It's good we've seen this progress from the team. But those bad habits still remain. They're still in there. Today, you know, so we'll talk about them individually a little bit more a bit later on. Bruno Fernandes' bad habits, his either good habits win you a match or his bad habits kill you. And that's that's a problem at number 10. Like you look at the graphic on our screen here, Bruno Fernandes is the centre of the team. And if the centre of the team is broken or doesn't work or wants to have a moan or doesn't want to do its work for whatever reason, you are going to lose. It's just what it is. Jaden Sancho, massive signing. Someone we've talked up a lot this season. Someone we want to see more of. Jaden looked like a little boy today. Looked like, I'm at the club that got rid of me. Can I do this against them? No, you couldn't. So there are those individual breakdowns, but I still think it's a team. You know, you win and lose as a team. But you could see from the first 20 minutes, it felt that the front four with the midfield, like McTominay, I think McTominay, like people talking about him. I don't blame him at all. What can you I, I do? I think he had a really
0: poor poor game today, but Rob. I said several times. What can
1: you do when there are these world class midfielders in front of you? and no one around you is doing their work. You can't do anything. It doesn't matter if it was Casemiro or McTominay, and I've said this before, it does not matter. What matters is the team has to do the work. And that's the problem with McTominay. He's never going to. He's not going to rescue the game for you. He has to be part of a system that works, and that's why the last few weeks everyone has gone Scott McTominay has done well. He cannot be a scapegoat in this kind of game, in the same way that Ericsson can't be. Ericsson had a really bad game. But Eriksson as a number six needs people around him moving and working and helping. And no one did. And he got exposed. Frankie de Jong was there, uh, Haydar. He'd have been exposed as well. Doesn't matter who it is. Yeah, you've got to work as a team, as an eleven. And Man United today just simply didn't do that.
0: Before we move on and talk about, uh, you know, some of the players in more detail, Rob, I do want to ask you a question because mm-hmm. i seeing a lot of people say that Ten Hag's to blame, Ten Hag's selection. You know, this is on the manager. Like, at, at what point, you know... I think it's too early to say that. I think he's still finding his way. You've seen him get it right in, in two really big games against Arsenal. Really, really informed side to side. He's playing very, very well. He's done against Liverpool as well. He's he stopped, you know, after two awful defeats. You know, he's managed to get some momentum. He, You know, he's obviously working with what he's got the the squad. He's, he's having to find a way to play because he can't go and play his full, uh, you know, his full style of play, his philosophy, his principles. Because of the fact United are lacking technical players, I think, in midfield still to an extent. Um, I think you're also seeing that with a goalkeeper mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, being able to play properly out, out the back. You know, United going long, they didn't go as long as much today. But, you know, United going long does does kill the ability to hold on to the ball, the retention. We spoke about this in the Arsenal game, didn't we? Because ultimately, at the end of the day, United have to win, then have to win the, the headers or they have to win the second balls. It's not going to do that. And then the City, very difficult to get the ball off. Uh, you know, it's very, very difficult. But when I'm having a look at it, you know, Do you think that Ten Hag might have got selection wrong? I actually, look, I don't think he did anything wrong in terms of the team's been winning. He's picked that team. Would I have liked to see Casemiro play? Possibly. And ultimately, at the end of the day, you know, you've got to bed Casemiro in now. He's got to start playing minutes. You've got to get him up to speed and him coming off the bench and playing a half here and there. It's not going to be a way to do that. You spent 70 million on him. You've got to start bedding him in early. So I think maybe that's something Ten Hag could have done. Like you said, look, Bruno could have gone a false nine. You could have packed Ten Hag, uh, Sorry, Casemiro midfield with McTominay and Eriksen, you know, shore up the midfield a little bit more. But uh, I do think that he needs to start playing Casemiro now. You spent big money on him. He's obviously a world-class player, but he's not going to be able to get up to speed if he's playing cameos here and there.
1: It, it all depends on the formation. So I think it's quite clear that Man United have played this four-two-three-one in recent weeks. It seems to be what the manager likes, just for this set of players. But the the key here, Hader, I mean, again, you can look at the graphic that we have got on the screen here for people in our audience. You can play this four-two-three-one if Bruno drops into midfield and makes a three. So then you've got a four-three-three. Three. So you can do that, but without the work rate, it breaks. There was work rate wasn't there today. So you're talking about Casemiro. Casemiro came on for what the last 25 minutes of the game, last half an hour of the game. What did we think of Casemiro? I've not seen anything good from him yet. Now I know that, like you just saying there, bed him in. But he's a 30 year old who's coming up there. He's an experienced player. I want to see some oozing of quality when he's on the pitch. I don't see it. So I'm worried about that. And I have been very hard worried about
0: to do, that. Rob. When you're playing, you're just absolutely. Putting in and you're playing. You need to be like we talk about match fitness and we talk about you know being able to gather momentum as a team, but players have to do the same. You know, he has absolutely. to play
1: absolutely, but you've got to prove it in training. So I'm I'm putting it out there. I don't think Casemiro is proving it to the manager because he would be playing otherwise. Like you just made the point, you don't pay sixty or seventy million for a player and then not play him. There's a reason for not playing him in the same way that Oligan the Solskjaer didn't play Donny van der Beek. So I look at it like that. I think today would have been a good opportunity to play Casemiro in the center of the pitch. You could have played Bruno at the top end, maybe drop Marcus out. Marcus has obviously been training this week, but has had fitness issues. So what could you do in terms of the balance there? You could put Casemiro in there with Ericsson. That would stop Ericsson getting exposed. But I'm not going to say for one minute that I know the team or football in general better than Eric Ten Hag. Eric Ten Hag is a better coach than me and you and everyone watching this. So he's looking at that for a reason and going – I can't do that for whatnot. Yeah, there's a there, there's a there must be a reason for it. Managers don't just do it on gut. They look at it and they look at the metrics and they say that's not working. The only thing I see with Casemiro and think is an issue is that I don't know whether like you're saying they're being up to pace. The La Liga and the Premier League are like two different universes. Really, are they're like it's like the Marvel universe and the meta universe here and another universe there. I am worried that Casemiro might not be suited to this universe. Now, he was a great number six. Like you said there, you used the word world-class player. He has been a world-class player, but is he world-class now? There's got to be a reason why the manager is picking McTominay and Ericsson and putting that guy on the bench. In the same reason, Haydar, there's a reason why Ronaldo isn't playing. So this is the whole thing. It's not about what players have achieved before. It's what they can do now. I do think that United played 4 today with Bruno as a false nine, Casemiro in the centre and maybe letting Ericsson have a little bit more freedom in there to be able to join the attack and come back with some forwards. That might have been better. Would you have won the game? Looking at it, probably not, but you might not have lost 6-3. You know, you might have lost 2-0 or 2-1 or something like that. So this is where the team needs to be developed now. And this is where where I think Ten Hag will learn about which players are going to be at his long-term disposal. Because I think this is what this, where we are at the moment with Manchester
0: United. Yeah, I agree with that. Definitely, it's an opportunity for him to know who's up to the challenge, who's not, who can fit in, who cannot, who can take instructions, who cannot. And I think that's what this season is about. But I do think Rob, that United have a very, very good chance of getting into top four with Liverpool being poor, in my opinion. We saw that the other day. I think that they're gonna struggle. I think Arsenal and City are the two standout sides. I see. I expect Arsenal to finish. Uh, you know, we'll have to see after Christmas, but I think they'll finish in the top four. Spurs haven't really got going, have they? Under under Conte, I've been not been that impressed with them this season, but they're there or thereabouts. Potter remains to be seen with Chelsea. So when you're having a look at the, you know, the, the rest of the rivals compared to Man United, United should, I think, should be getting top four. You're not going to play City every single week, right? You know, you're not going to go and play the side that good. You play them twice a season, so United have to go and win the other games. So that's why, look, United losing against City is not a problem. If they're losing this manner, that's where I get frustrated and, and I'm disappointed. But if United go and win the rest of their games or go and, you know, beat the sides they should be beating. United, that'll be progress for this season, unfortunately. You know, I'd like to see United have a cup run. But, you know, having a look at what Ten Hag has to do and, and the enormity of the task, and I think he's realising that as well. And I think he knows. I trust that he can, he has a plan as well and he has the ability to, to get United back to where it is. But it's, it's also about all the other things off the pitch. Is he going to get the right players? Is he going to be able to sell who he wants? Is he going to be able to build it properly? And I think when you look at what's going on off on off the pitch, I think we know the answer to that really, don't we?
1: We do. But I think it's also, you've got to kind of just place yourself in reality sometimes and like you said there they should get top four I'm not going to say that I think there's too many good teams around to say should United could become sixth or seventh comfortably because of how good other teams might be and how bad you are that's just a balance I think when you look at this game here you know we talked about work rate one thing or another you look at City's front six there and front on the on our page you know Silva, Gundogan, De Bruyne Grealish Haaland Foden the worst player in that front six is Grealish and he cost a hundred million right so this is where City are City that City standard their worst player is a hundred million pounds you know England international playboy that everyone loves and thinks is a fantastic footballer so that's that's their weakness when you look at Man United you're looking at the other side of it our star player there you could say someone like say Jadon Sancho He's not really shown it yet, but we want more from him. I thought Anthony had a decent game in the second half, really good goal as well. I think he'll come good, but it's all development, isn't it? Bruno Fernandes is the leader of your team. He's now the captain. Today wasn't Harry Maguire's fault, was it? So, you know, you've got to look at the the existing members of the squad. What I did say about Bruno, and, and I'll say it again, I think he's a bit of a charlatan I I think when things are good he's good and when things are bad he's really bad so you've got to find a middle ground there so this is where I think the Casemiro question will start to arise because it's about where can Casemiro come in to compliment other players he has to make others around him better but it's a difficult one Haydar I still think this is a work in progress there's every chance that you come much lower than your own expectation simply because you're trying to fix stuff always on the fly I think United's recent success has come on the fly. I think you were bad against Brentford for a reason. You were bad against City today. And all the good stuff in the middle is just part of the development project.
0: We did say at the beginning of the season, didn't we, Rob, that you know Ten Hag really does need, what, two years before we can make a, a full judgment. Doesn't mean you can't critique him. That's not what I'm saying. So, you know, there shouldn't be any calling for his head or anything like that. Because ultimately, no. at the end of the day, we've seen the 10 years of, of the problems. I mean, look, United have gone and they've, they've uh, you know, made uh, Ranik sign an NDA so that he won't expose all the things. But they do that with every manager having happened in Jose Mourinho as well. So we know that there are a lot of deep-rooted problems at the club. So, <clears throat> look, he's got my full support. And that's why I'm not sitting here and criticising him left, right and centre or blaming him for selection. Because ultimately, this is a small game in in, in terms of the fuller picture. Uh, But look, the basics weren't done today and it it was disappointing. Rob, let's just go through some of the the things that uh, United did well. Uh, And this is according to who scored. It doesn't really feel like that when you watch the game. The second half was better. We saw us starting to pass the ball better. You know, we were making better runs. United were effective in creating goal scoring opportunities from long shot situations. We saw Anthony's great goal there. Effective at creating uh, goal-scoring opportunities from the flanks. We saw that in the second half. Stronger finishing as well. You know, three goals in the end. 6-3 made it somewhat respectable, although, you know, City had taken the foot off the gas. Weakness. We weren't aggressive today, and we we could have told you that. And I think that is the biggest disappointment for me, is we've seen the intensity, we've seen the aggression. It felt like today that United felt that they were inferior, and we saw that in the performance. We saw here, uh, favoured long shots and favoured short passing. I I saw that quite a lot actually towards the end of the game, that we were trying to, shoot, Casemiro tried to shoot for a few times. And I think, I'm not sure whether that's because, you know, the, the lack of confidence in breaking City down. I'm not too sure. But um, when we talk about Manchester City as well, we know what they're going to do. They're going to have, you know, a high number of chances. They'll be very effective. I mean, they were absolutely, I mean, they were sublime, weren't they? And they're finishing. Holland is just, you give him three chances, he gets three goals. It's scary. Is that 14 goals now in eight games in the Premier League? I mean, he's making it a complete mockery of the league. Um, and you look here as well, the styles attacked through the middle, had a high shot frequency in, in possession, dominating possession, and favouring short passing. When you give Manchester City the ability to dominate possession and to just go at you you know, for, for a period in the game, they will punish you. I think that's the difference between City and all of the other sides in the league. We've seen Arsenal improve immensely, and, and you have to give them credit. But Arsenal dominated, for example, United, didn't punish them. They dominated Spurs yesterday, didn't really punish them, went into halftime, and then they got the early goal. City, if you allow them to dominate you, and to grind you down, they will hurt you. And I think United learned that lesson today.
1: Uh, but again, I'll say this about possession. It's all about what you do off-ball. Man City are so well-drilled off the ball. So they get the ball in good position. So when they've got the ball, it's one or two or three passes. They're in. They're on you. Man United's off-ball work is so poor at times that when you get the ball, like Bruno will start wandering, going to go, I'm going to the right wing to get the ball. And then he gets the ball and he gives it away. And you're like... Just don't bother going there. Just stay in the middle. Hold your ground. Be be patient. So I think this is there's sometimes I think a little bit of a fallacy about what possession means. Because yeah, if Man City are running at you in those gaps, you're dead. It's finished, isn't it? No point. They give the ball to Haaland around the penalty spot, he scores. It's boring. We know what happens, don't we? We know exactly how it ends. But it's always about what comes before. And I think that this was the whole um, breakdown of Manchester United's performance from that opening few minutes. As I said, from the second that um, that Delow gets the yellow card for going too tight on Grealish, there's no need to let Grealish run down the left. Not going to hurt you. Run with him. Go and stop the ball. Go and be intelligent. That kind of broke United's mindset, I think, almost within the first 120 seconds. Because you saw it all just went, Fuzzy, didn't it? It was like they, they just didn't know what was happening in front of them and everyone was making mistakes galore. So possession is one thing, but I think at the same time, it's about executing your game plan. And there's no way, I think, today that Eric Ten Hag said to, the, to his team, yeah, don't go and press any space today. Go and sit back. There were times that first half, Haydar, I think after 10 minutes, where United got really deep and the manager was on the touchline going to people, get out, get out, get out. And, and they weren't. They were like... And it was rabbit in headlights. And that's what happens. This is the thing. I don't think that Ten Hag set up like that. I think it was more the team just going back to old bad habits.
0: Rob, i are just going to read out some of Ten Hag's comments because uh, they've just come out now. So yes. he said there are positives, but in this moment, I can't think like that. We let the fans down. We let ourselves down. I'm hugely disappointed. We have to live with that and learn from it. I'll show the team tomorrow... We could have been on the front foot. In the first goal, we won the ball and could have created a chance and gave it away. That is unacceptable. I'm surprised yeah. we didn't bring it on the pitch. We I've seen a different team spirit and we did not look convinced. I have to no. talk to my players and find out why. Look, he is still in the, you know, he said as well, it is a process when you are not concentrated against Manchester City. You get hammered. That is what happened. You cause your own prob- problems. You get hammered. All the mm. credit to Manchester City, but it's nothing to do with City. Our performance was not good. As individuals, they were not convinced and did not support each other. A lack of fight and spirit in the team. I, I, lo- I like what he's saying. You know, you can you can see that he understands logical. where the issues are. It's very logical. Totally. This is why, you know, while this is a terrible performance, you know, I am confident in Ten Hag because he says the right things. I think he understands where the issues were. So rather than talking about tactical, you know, he's actually talking about some, some of the key fundamentals, right? You know, mm-hmm. the team spirit, the aggression, the intensity, what we're talking about today, allowing city time and, and uh, you know, live giving them space and, and not tracking runners. I mean, you know, we've spoken about Bruno and Sancho a fair bit in terms of, you know, negatives, you know, what what does Ten Hag do with those two players because, Ultimately, at the end of the day, look, it's one game, you, I don't expect him to come and drop them, and they are key players from United. But in two key positions, and they're meant to be two game-changing players, if they're not doing the basics. Like, I, I thought Sancho was so passive today. I, I actually can't remember much of what he'd done. Bruno, as you said, can be erratic. You know, What what does Ten Hag do then? Because if they're not going to be having an impact on the game, then ultimately you do have to take them out and see what who else in the squad can do a role just as well.
1: Yeah, you've got to decide whether you punish that player by dropping him and making a change or whether you can kind of put, you know, write a line under it and say that was that game, that was Man City, their elite and now we're playing someone in the Europa League so I'm not going to change it because I've seen the last six to eight weeks that these things are working so we're going to go back to them and just try and perfect them. You just said they're about not tracking runners. I think the issue with Man City is that if you're tracking them and they're tracking their run... You're dead already. Don't track the run. Get the ball higher up the pitch. So it's good that he mentioned that about the first goal because that was really stuck in my head early when I was thinking about it in the second half and thinking about what we were going to talk about to, on today's show. Is that United on a little bit of a counter-press there. Jaden Sancho gets the ball and Jaden Sancho gives the ball away. And then City kind of counter-press. And it went from one to three across goal. That's how it happened. So you lose that ball from the left side of your attack. That's unacceptable that's unacceptable. So that will be shown tomorrow to Jaden Sancho. And I think that as soon as that happened with Jaden Sancho, he knew straight away and he was like, ah, and you saw the confidence just ebb out of him. You know, every time he got the ball, he'd run into brick walls. He was not doing his tracking correctly into the space. His press was a little bit lopsided. You could see there was a lot of talking with the United front line, but not a lot of action. It was all very static and they were a little bit scared that the ball went through them that they would have to track back i say hey, Dar, it's too late to track back you've got to get it, you've got to get it right at the top end of the pitch that's where the space really is that's where you've got to look after that space once they're through you kevin de bruyne is there just you know playing the saxophone on the edge of the box like look at me it's just too easy it's like jazz it's too too easy and i think united needed to defend much higher up the pitch they didn't achieve that today and there's no chance I think that Ten Hag said to them yeah guys drop back i don't think that happened at all i think that was a mental thing that we've seen happen with Oligon and Solskjaer's teams in the past and that was just repeating itself fear factor fear can make you do very very funny things on a football pitch even when you're told to do something completely opposite
0: rob just uh we'll bring up statistics from the game as well city with 22 22- Shots on, tar- uh, shots on goal, um, yeah. United were 12. So, obviously, we, we know that City just created so many. Even from early on, you remember the uh, first four minutes or so where De Gea made a save, then we made two blocks. You know, City from from the offer on it, and they were creating 17 of those shots from open play. United as well, you know, 11 from open play as well. I think most of them were in the second half, I believe. Uh, going into that first half, United had that, you know, that dribbling sort of uh, shot that Ericsson did very early on. Um, looking over here as well, you know, One of those goals was a, a, well, I'm assuming it was a counter attacking goal. Um, You know, the one for Foden and Mm. uh, United to get the penalty as well. Conversion as well. United's, look, they converted 25% of their shots, 27%. So, look, the statistics, (laughs) I don't think they really tell much. We're just getting them up on the screen. I don't think they really tell much about how the game went, to be honest. I mean, if you look at it here, it looks like United were actually pretty, pretty clinical, don't you? You know, don't you look at it with, you know, three goals in 12 shots. But ultimately, I think that. I don't think they tell a great deal about the game.
1: I think the thing is, when you look at the conversion rate, you know, the game's a draw, isn't it? When you look at the conversion rate. So what that tells you is that if Man United had done their normal work today, Haydar, they probably wouldn't have lost. They might have got a draw. So the conversion rate is there. When Man United are getting in and around the box, that the economy is developing. And, you know, we've said in the past where United might get one or two chances in the game and the conversion rate is zero. Well, you're not really getting the chances, are you? So today, for me, wasn't about Marcus Rashford. To me, it was about the three behind him and how they worked and how they pushed up because they were walking through that midfield. It was more about McTominay and Eriksen, their combinations. I think when you look at that conversion rate, it does show that when Man United decided to play a little bit of football in the second half, they had some success. So I think, again, this is what the manager is going to be selling to his, his players tomorrow at Carrington. He's going to be saying, when you were on the front foot and playing some actual football, City had trouble with you. But when you decided to allow the space and not press, not kind of push down Nathan Ake, just strolling out of centre-back, when you decided not to do that, City scored lots of goals. So I think it, I think that, that conversion rate is telling because I think it shows that Man United this season might score a lot of goals, but it might also still concede some. But against lesser teams, Hader, who are not Kevin De Bruyne, who are not uh, Haaland, who are not Foden, you will get away with it. Your conversion rate of 25% against Everton next time round or someone like that, you might win 3-0 and it might feel completely different. So I think that there are positives, there to take away. But at the same time, this is a, a bit of a life lesson for Man United's players, is that if you think you're good, Go look at that lot, the Eastlands, because they're really good. They're a world class team. You might be good, like Casemiro might have tons of Champions Leagues, Varane might have tons of Champions Leagues, but this is the standard, and you've got to be at that standard every week. This is the learning process, I think, of this new Manchester United squad.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's the point, isn't it? I think United. Playing the way they did today, or maybe even how they started, they might they wouldn't have been 4 0 down, would they? Against pretty much 99% of the, t- the size in the league. No, but choice. ultimately, at the yeah. end of the day, you know, when you go to City and you put in a first half performance like that, it's ridiculous, and that's frustrating because you know, like I said, there were a couple of passages in the second half. I know City took their foot off the break, they They made some substitutions, but United, you know, put some nice phases together, got a couple of goals. And we'll go in, we'll segue then into Anthony because Anthony with an absolutely fantastic goal, didn't he? Mm. Uh, You know, sort of cutting back in onto his left foot. We've seen him do that a lot at Ajax. It's a trademark of his, I mean, unbelievable goal. And in in most circumstances, you'd be absolutely buzzing at a goal like that. But obviously that that was uh, the goal that brought United to 4-1. Anthony's now got two goals in two Premier League games. I think you know he's nowhere near, um, you know, getting up to top speed. But you're seeing some some good things, aren't you, from him, Rob? You know, he obviously understands a role, especially in you know, sort of off the ball, which is important. But what you're seeing from him as well is that he, United have now they have a right foot, a left-footed right winger, you know, who offers something different to what the rest of the squad had. He's not afraid to take his man on. He's not afraid to shoot. Uh, you know, and I think as time goes on, he gets used to playing with his with his teammates. I think he's going to be a really good player for Man United. So, look, while the result was negative, the performance wasn't great. I think Anthony has had a really good start to his United career. Two goals in two games. You can't really ask for much more from your £90 million uh, winger.
1: Absolutely. And I think also uh, what I really liked about Anthony, obviously the goal was really nice and a really good moment for him. And I think you'll take confidence from that. But when you watch the second half, his off-ball work was really good. Why was it good? It's because he was coming narrow when he had to, to close down that channel, making it difficult for the centre-back to come out. But when the ball was going wide and he was showing him wide, he was going and tracking, backing into that area. So he was kind of cutting off the blood flow on that right-hand side. Now, people say about Delow and about the fullbacks and what your fullbacks do. Ultimately, that's all really Anthony can do. Anthony's not going to track back and double up with a left-winger it's not going to happen and it shouldn't happen that's old school you know where you double up on someone like a david beckham because you don't want him to swing the ball in from deep so anthony's doing all the off ball work correctly then go and look at jaden sancho's off ball work jaden sancho is the opposite passive wrong area not moving into the spaces either forward or backwards, and when he's on the ball, not particularly
0: good. But, Rob, is that an understand? Is that just understanding the role and it's going to take time because obviously Anthony's had two years under Ten Hag, or is it you know, is it more than that? Because that's something I was wondering. I, I look at it and think Anthony's doing that so comfortably because he knows it, but Sancho's an intelligent player, you'd expect him to be able to pick these things up pretty quickly. Well, I was just
1: going to just point to my, my noggin here, my brain, because I think it's all up here. I think you play football up here with confidence. You have to know your repetitions work. You look at Jadon Sancho, and today he looked like a player who was thinking way too much. You know, what am I doing? Just go and play football, man. You know what you can do. You're a good player. You're a baller. Get the ball at your feet and start playing. When Anthony scored his goal, United were, what, 4-0 down at that point? And Anthony thought, do you know what? I'm good at shooting the ball from here, long shots. I had to curl this in the, in the in the corner. That's what he did. It was a great goal, but you never saw that at all, did you, from Jaden? So I think for Jaden Ch- uh, Sancho, the, the challenge here is to realise that at Manchester United, you you can't just be Dortmund level. Like we're Dortmund level Sancho, we'd be happy, wouldn't we? You have to be world class. You have to think to yourself. I am Cristiano Ronaldo on the left, like I was like ten years ago. That's the standard. So I think the thing is for, for Jaden. And and I want to see, obviously, Jaden start games and play more. And I think that's the way forward for him. But if you don't play well, you're out. You're out of the team. Go sit on the bench. Marcus Rashford can play left. You're going to play uh, Martial down the middle. You saw today that Cristiano didn't even get a sniff. And I think that's the way forward. And I think it has to be like that. I don't think you can play him viably as a player in these kind of big matches where he won't do any of that work at all at the top end in terms of you know, closing down the space as we're talking about. But you could see that Marcus moves to the left and that Jaden drops out. That could happen. The other flip you could do, Haydar, is that you take Bruno out and then at the top end you play either Jaden or you play Christian Eriksson. I actually think what you will see is Christian Eriksson will end up being the 10. Yeah, Martial will be the nine. And Bruno's then sat on the bench with Cristiano having a little cry. Boo-hoo-hoo. Why am I not playing? Oh, Harry Maguire's next to me. He's crying as well. All of these big-name players need to get a grip, and they need to play better in these kind of games. And if you do that, then the manager's definitely going to pick you. But I don't think they're on the cusp of being dropped just yet. I still think they'll get their opportunities in the week's head. Now, there's nine games, I think, this month's coming. So everyone's going to get minutes.
0: You make a really good point. Let's segue into Martial as well because we're talking about mm-hmm. him. He came on two goals. I thought he looked really, really hungry. I was impressed yeah. with his little cameo. Great to see him back. You know, it's never been. We've been saying this since uh, what, since we started doing the podcast with Martial. It's never been about about ability. It's been about attitude, application, etc. Mm-hmm. What we've seen is that I think when. Martial plays. Man United do look a much better side. He's got great Definitely. ball retention. Mm. He's really good at linking the play. Uh, he's he's you know he is doing the off the ball work. He's not the greatest at it, but he's doing that to a, he's doing that to a good level. He did it well today, I think. You know he obviously he brings players around him. They look better. His link up play is fantastic. When you you make a good point because I think about it now, Jen Sancho. Uh, you we're, we're both massive fans. I love Jen Sancho. I was so excited to see him sign. He's not hit the heights yet. We've seen he's had a good start to the season though. So I think. We have to take into consideration that when he came into the side, you know, obviously it was a difficult season for him. Uh, you know, the disruption, the system wasn't uh, functioning well. Obviously, Oleg and Sasha left as well. Um, so there were a lot, a lot of, lot of players that did not look great. And we've seen Sancho. We've seen really, really nice snippets of what he can do. We you know we saw against Liverpool. We saw against, uh, you know, against. Uh, I think it was against Leicester as well. He scored the goal, so he's got a couple of goals now. But ultimately, if, if, if Ten Hag's picking his team next week against <clears throat> Everton, I believe we're playing. Martial starts as a number nine. Rashford's mm-hmm. off the left for me mm-hmm. as it stands. Anthony's off the right. And you've got a really good point that, you know, Bruno Fernandes or Ericsson, it will probably be Bruno. We've seen what Ericsson can do deeper. He does, he has that ability to play, you know, vertical passes through the line. And that this is Ericsson I'm talking about. And that's something United lack in the squad. But, you know, if he, if he decides that he, if Ten Hag decides he wants to bring in Casemiro, wants to keep McTominay playing, and then it's one of Ericsson or Bruno, I think, you know, there's a case to say that Bruno would drop out and Ericsson would start.
1: When yeah, totally. A look at it,
0: yeah. yeah. Sorry, so when we're having a look at it, that in some ways does give United better balance, right? Mm. The player off the right is explosive and he can beat a man off the left. You know, Ra- Ra- Marcus can do the same. And uh, Martial, with his ball retention, his ability to bring players into the game. And then you've got Christian Eriksen, he's an elite creator who can find these wide players make, who are making these runs. Then you've got protection in behind. So it's going to be interesting to see what United do. But on Martial, he is Man United's best number nine, I think. I know we said last week, as it stands, it's with Martial, Ronaldo. But when Martial is fit, we've seen this now today, especially today, I was impressed with his cameo. He is the player the main night need to keep fit. And that, that that's the biggest question, right? You know, his Achilles is, is a bad injury to have. He is injury prone. I don't think United can rely on him, but if they can keep him fit, Ken Hart can now start to implement his game plan a little bit better?
1: Well, this is why the rotation is so important. Is that when you rotate players in and out, that you don't lose quality. You know, I just read in our comments here as, as you were chatting away, and I was just kind of looking at what people were saying. Kerwin there in our in our comments said, you know, are we still carrying around a scar left by Ronaldo, which affects the team shape? And I think that that is true in a four-two-three-one. I think it is. I think you still see that when you think about Ronaldo as the nine, and then what does what does the, the team do behind him? And when Ronaldo's the nine, they're very re- erratic behind the striker. Like, it's all very hit or miss. And today, it was erratic. Now, I think going forward, like when we see seen Martial play the nine, Man United are just a lot more set. Yeah, they're just a lot more comfortable in their own skin, in their own work rate. They play higher up the pitch, a higher line. They're more confident. They know that if the ball goes into feet with Martial, that the ball's coming back to them. Now, Ronaldo, you don't know that, do you? Ronaldo's going to get the ball, turn, shoot, under the box. I'm going to put it in the top corner because I'm Cristiano Ronaldo. So you do have those issues in terms of blend and chemistry. But I don't know. I do think think you're saying that Martial's our best number nine. I, I still think that you're going to have to work with this as you go forward. For me, I think the idealistic solution to all of this is Bruno Fernandes as a false nine right I still think still? If, go- if you st- if you're going to play 4 or develop a 4 3 system who are your best bits of what you've got so yeah you're right as a nine and just an out and out nine I think Martial is the best version of that in a system but maybe in a 4-2-3-1. If you're going to play 4-3-3, three, three, Bruno Fernandes, as a false nine can give you 15 or 20 goals in a season. Absolutely. He's a finisher. He's a goal scorer. He can do that, and he can also give you elite running when you need running. I think the problem with Bruno is that when he's deeper, he's a mess. So you need to have a playmaker in there a bit deeper, and you've got one called Christian Eriksson. You know, Casemiro is not a playmaker. He's going to be more the McTominay function and you're going to have to make a match there. I think you might end up seeing Casemiro and Fred develop a, a kind of double pivot role if you carry on playing a 4 2 three, one
0: well, It's what they, they do four. for Brazil, Rob. They both it's start. what they
1: do for Brazil. But again, I, again like I've said weeks ago, uh, what people do for international teams, not always the same for what you do, in, especially in the Premier League. And, and I don't know if it will work. So it's that's a kind of let's wait and see. But I think when you, you going forward, I think we need to see Ericsson higher up the pitch. And I think we need to see Bruno higher up the pitch. And I think that they are playmakers to, together. They can link because one can drop deep, one can move forward. But Martial can also do that. Christiana can't do that. Rashford can't really do that. So that's your balancing point of finding a formation now that works. And you're going to flip, aren't you, between four two three one and 4-3-3 the system? That's the way it's going to be. I think Ten Hag will look at some opponents and say, yeah, I'll exploit that. I'll play uh, an extra midfielder to kind of pick the ball up there. Or there's going to be other times we play four two three one, play more counter-attack, more counter-press, and you kind of look for those opportunities. So I think that it's kind of fascinating and the jury is very much out because I think it, a lot of it will be about the training pitch and what Ten Hag sees his players can actually do.
0: Uh, Rob, so just, just, this has just come out now. Um, you know, so as we're doing the show, Ten Hag says, Ronaldo wasn't brought on partly out of respect for his career. What do you make of those comments?
1: Really? (laughs) What did he, what was the full, is that the full comment?
0: That's the full, that's the full quote. He didn't bring on Ronaldo as a substitute out of the respect for his big career.
1: I don't know. Like, I think you, when you look at this, right. And you look at the Ronaldo situation in inverted commas. What are you going to get out of Cristiano this year? Now, he scores goals, doesn't he? But you have to change your whole team your whole philosophy, your whole everything to service him. You do, don't you? You need a different style of play to help Ronaldo get chances. He cannot play these systems that we talk about week in, week out. He just can't. So I think, you know, interpreting what Ten Hag's words mean there is that if you'd brought him in to kind of do that work up the front and say, right, Cristiano, we need you to close this space down and do this and do that, do what Martial ended up doing, I think Ronaldo looks pathetic in that. He's not going to not going to help him. So maybe that's what he means in terms of respect. And maybe it just shows that, that you know, Cristiano Ronaldo should not be at Man United. He shouldn't be. He, he's not going to help you win this year. He's not going to help you get top four. He just isn't. There'll be times where they have cameos and he'll score goals and he'll get a hat-trick. But you just saw today, when you've got someone like Haaland, what a real number nine in the modern game can do. Cristiano cannot do those things. He just cannot. He's a finisher, but you've got to do all the work around you at the same time. So I think that's what he's trying to say. He doesn't want to talk about Ronaldo, does he? And why should he? You know, Ronaldo didn't even play. And yeah, if Ronaldo had come on for 20 minutes, half an hour, whatever, even if he scored, it would have been like, oh, you know, if he scores, and it's like, why did you not play Ronaldo? You know, the fanboys banging the drum, Ronaldo needs to start every game because there's still those people that exist. So I, I, I'm not surprised he didn't come on. And there are other players on that bench, Hadar, that needed minutes more than Ronaldo. You need to get Fred minutes. You need to get Casemiro minutes because you're going to be using them in the weeks ahead. Whereas I think Cristiano, I think he's going to be sitting on the bench a fair bit.
0: Rob, let's finish with Luke Shaw. Luke Shaw came on hmm. um, and I think, you know, we saw him have a good international break you know he he had a good couple of games and he's obviously in favor with Southgate big thing about Luke Shaw I think that's been frustrating with him in general is that you know we know about his injury but along his career at Man United he's had one or two good seasons it seems to me that you know when he has a bit of competition he seems to up his performances but like Mm. let's strip all of that away because what can Luke Shaw offer this Man United side now there are weaknesses to Luke Shaw's game I think you know in terms of off the ball I don't think he's the greatest defender I also think in terms of aggression he's not the most aggressive and that's where Malacia has been outdoing him but there's no doubt that Luke Shaw is a fantastic progressive ball carrier and a, and a fantastic progressive uh passer of the ball he's one of May United's best in the squad and and we saw when Ole Gunnar Solskjaer finished second at May United he was that uh, one of the standout players and he was almost United's most progressive player so there is and that's a real... These, those are two real big qualities in the modern game that you want from a, from a modern fullback. So I look at Luke Shaw came on. I think he had a good cameo. You can see here, you know, on the screen, we have, um, you know, sort of the areas in which City United attacked. You can see on the right-hand side... Manchester United attacked 42% down the left-hand side. So I do feel that when Shaw came on, they went forward more. This is interesting because I was looking at what we were doing in previous games. We've seen Malaysia play quite inverted. So I think that skews the uh, the statistics a little bit. But United have been really progressive, haven't they, with Dallot on that right-hand side. So it's interesting to see that when Shaw came in, United got a little bit more luck down the left-hand side. Moving forward, look, we know that um is young. He's had a couple of difficult games now. Saka, I think, you know, is one of the, the best wingers in the league, and he he had a difficult game against Saka. You know, he's turned him out inside out a few times, but malasia did have a decent game. Today, I think it was a tough game for him against foden. Foden really had the, the better of him, I think, for the majority of that first half. He got booked as well. Both United's fullbacks game booked in that first half was was uh was difficult for uh, it really shook them both. I think malasia is, is a fantastic talent and i think he's going to be a really good player but you know is there do you think there's a possibility now that ten hag might go back to shaw now that he seems to be get he looks fit he seems to be getting a you know a little bit of momentum in terms of his performances
1: yeah completely 100% because i think the thing is is that like all the things you said they are completely true so i think that luke shaw's weakness is off the ball you know quite often especially at the back stick he lets people go i think you saw today for one of the goals where he's uh, his position's not quite on he plays someone on side of the it was it was Foden or someone he played on side, That happens. But I do think that if you want to play progressive football, and that's the philosophy of Eric Ten Hagans. It's what he wants to do. You need a fullback that gets up and down. But when they're in the final third, give you a, a higher rate of probability to to assist goals. And I think the one thing that I've been disappointed with him last year, and I don't want to kind of talk him down because he's a new player. He's young. It's a big step up for Man United. And I also think that he's he's actually done okay in a lot of the matches, is that he doesn't quite have that attacking prowess. He doesn't. He seems to want to play more as a conventional fullback, even though he can play as a wing-back. And I think you've seen that him and uh, Martinez are are really relatively playing quite close together quite often, and you're seeing that Deleuze is allowed to go. That's okay. But you see in a game like today... But when you play a team like Man City, you are just so good in every position. It doesn't quite work. You can't get away with it because you've got players running in the channel between you. You've got players going around the outside. You've got the ball coming central. They're so good there. And then in the middle, you've got this monster called Haaland. Very, very difficult to manage. I think Luke Shaw's experience and also just Luke Shaw being more progressive. You mentioned there, and we've said it on our show before, when you looked at progressive passing in the team in the last year or two, Luke Shaw, I think, has been number one for Man United. He's the guy that gets his head up and plays forward balls either into the channel or inside into a forward or overlaps. Luke Shaw needs to get back to that. That's what he needs to do. So I think if Luke Shaw gets minutes and plays games now, I think you'll see Malassia being more a, a natural substitute later in games uh, for Luke Shaw. And I think you'll see Luke Shaw win his place back. You'll see already today, didn't you? We saw that there was an injury to Raffle Varane. And when Varane went off, and United made those tweaks. They went with Lindelof because that was the only option today. But you saw then, even then, how exposed United were in the channels. Again, Lindelof, with one of the goals, just stands off Haaland. You know, let's lets him run in. Just lets him kind of take the space. And you think, yeah, I've seen all this before. i read this script a thousand times. Ten Hag will look at that and go, all right, I can't do that. That cannot be a thing. So I'm going to have to change it. So I think, again, this is long-term... Ambitions. So I think with Luke Shaw, he'll help with that with the shape. But I think it's also you've got to look in the centre and see who you've got there because you might have to go back to Harry Maguire in the future weeks now. If if, if you see the, that um, that Varane picks up injuries like he did today, then you're probably going to go back to one of those two guys even just temporarily, and you've got to make sure that you've got a four at the back can do the job.
0: When you look at the squad, Rob, I mean, 80% of it is still the same squad. Um, so, you know... Yeah. while new players have come in, Ten Hag is still trying to figure out. But you, you can't, you can't change it with the same players. You know, he knows we know what we've seen with these players. He's he knows it as well. If you're seeing them make or, or do the same things wrong, or make the same mistakes, or, or not do the the things that he wants them to do out of those players in that role in this system, it's very very difficult. What can you do? So then he has to then step back and be like, right, okay. So then I have to stop what I'm what I want to do and actually build it around what the players can or are capable of doing so it's going to be really difficult it's going to be I think it's going to be a disjointed season we're going to see United putting uh have great results like it did against Liverpool and against Arsenal but then you're going to see results like this or the Brentford result or the Brighton result um so I think it's very very interesting that when we have a look at it my, my final thing I do want to touch on um before we wrap up is that about Malassia because I think hmm. We, we did a couple of scouting reports before i spoke to we i spoke to a couple of journalists you know watching week in week out um the biggest thing they said about Molassia was that how great he was at getting forward you know how great he was at carrying mm. the ball maybe more of a progressive carrier than a passer we haven't seen that so uh, you know i have i have noticed that as well you know we've spoken about this on the show over the past four games where he has been um you know he's had, had he has had good performances mostly good defensive performances and and you know showing good aggression But my question is, you know, we know that Ten Hag likes to sometimes have asymmetric fullbacks. Dalo's been going forward. So I do think that when we're looking at Molassia, I I think because of tactics, that is the reason why we're maybe not seeing him do more going forward. I do agree with you that when he does get in good positions, he isn't really fizzing the ball in or, 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 you know, making good crosses in. So that that is true. But I do think that we have to take tactics into consideration. That'll be interesting then to see because I think Dalo, we know what he does have issues defensively, but he is very progressive going forward. Um, you know, he's comfortable playing inverted. He's comfortable overlapping. So the question is, you know, when Shaw does come back into 11, which I expect him to do, which player is going to be asked to be a bit more, let's say, pragmatic or conservative? So that's what I mean. Int- unless Tenag allows him to almost, you know, if Shaw's going up, Delo comes in and vice versa, you know, and, and then they're smart enough to do that. So that's what I'm interested to see, because I think if you're not have both fullbacks, um, you know, offering end product and, um, you know, creativity in that final third. United will get better and I think that's that's what I'm interested to see.
1: Yeah, I'm not 100% sure whether that it specific point you're making there is tactical. Like I think that fullbacks are expected to go and support the the wider players, the wider forwards to get round and either then uh, overlap or get some kind of quality into the box. So I think the thing with year is that we've just not seen it when he's been in those rock those positions where you'd either want him to swing the ball in like like a Teles would, you know, God forbid having Teles there, but you need players to be able to say to themselves, "This is what my job is, and I can do it." Uh, you you saw today with Delo very preoccupied with Grealish and that ruins his forward game. So if, if you're sitting deeper and you're playing more asymmetrical however you want to describe it, but how is it then Luke Shaw got forward in the second half? It doesn't make sense. Do you get what I mean? It's not like you're saying to them, sit, don't do those things. I don't think any manager says be conservative in that area. There, there's no way that Man United today were told to kind of sit deeper. I think what you see with Malassia is that because, again, he's learning on the fly. The standard of pushing forward in the divisi to pu- pushing forward in the Premier League, again, is just night and day. And I think that's the issue, is that he's finding that hard to go and be his best version of himself in the final third. We know he's a decent pass of the ball. He really is kind of technically very, very good. Uh, he's, he's a fighter. He'll battle. He'll do those things. But you show today, Haydar, fighting and battling isn't enough. You know, it's a bit like Aaron wan people getting excited about slide tackles. No, you've got to do like all the other million things that you do as a fullback. I think that's why we saw Malassia pulled at half time and why Shaw came on. And I think that's why Shaw did well, because Shaw knows all of that, even if he's not playing well or out of form or was not fit. He understands what he's supposed to do and he's got to give. Some kind of quality at the top end of the pitch, the final third, but that goes for all fullbacks, you know, in the same way that we say to Deleu that you've been better at the top end, you've got to be better defensively as well. If you don't, if you're not doing it defensively, then you can't play. It's a little bit like Trent Alexander Arnold, isn't it? That's the debate at the moment. Trent, most progressive, right sided, um, uh, wing back in the world, amazing assists, scores goals, does everything. People say, No, he can't defend. He's not an England team. So there's always those questions. I think they, they apply to Man United's fullbacks. And it might be, hey, this again is just a work in progress, is that you might get to January and you might go, need to buy right back. Need to get right back in here. Or Malassia goes to the right. Melassia can play right back. You know, he's not natural there, but he has played right back. And he did. He's done it for United a few times in terms of minutes going over on the opposite side opposite side, he might not give you the output of Delow, but then you might let Luke Shaw off the hook, might let Luke Shaw get forward a little bit more. So it's more about, I think, what Ten Hag sees now moving forward. And, you you know, you said there about not changing things and, you know, there's still 80% of the squad, but that's how football works. You've got to work with some of the bits that you've got and some of them you might not like, but you're still going to make them do stuff. Today was not about that. Today was not about signings, glazers, Stuff. This was about players going. That player opposite me is better than me, but I'm scared, so I can't do this. That's on them, isn't it? They've got to learn that mentality to actually be better. You can't have fear against Manchester City. Would have been better to go out there cross swords with them and then lose six three than maybe us doing a show now going. Well, you just you you bottled it. Gary Neville used those words. They bottled it today, and I think you know I don't like using that word, but it's true. They did. They kind of from minute one when. I don't think we can do what we've been doing against all these other teams today because it's Man City and I'm scared of them. As soon as you show that fear, Man City are going to come on to you and that's it. You're dead. You're finished. And that's how it felt in the whole first 20 minutes, wasn't it? it was that United almost like were waving the white flag very, very early on and at half time the game was dead
0: absolutely and guys look thank you very much for all your fantastic comments and your engagement it's been great make sure you hit the like button hit the subscribe button and give it a share as well if you see this on twitter give it a retweet want we'll to get as many people watching this and joining in the discussion give us a follow on at main mc give me a follow on at hater underscore and give rob a follow on at underscore rob underscore b were very very poor today but they lost it on aggression intensity they didn't front up they were too passive let's hope they improve that next time